Well, hello, 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 world. And it is Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock Eastern time, and it is time for Geektainment Weekly, where we talk about all things geeky. And nerdy. And nerdy. I am joined with my two fantastic co-hosts, Ian Benzman. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And, uh, hey, what's going on? Andy. And and Andy Bishop. Andy. Andy, what's going on, man? Oh, oh, hi. I didn't see you there. I was a little busy playing my new video game, Super Mario Odyssey. It's fantastic. I just picked it up last night, and Nintendo did not pay me to plug this game. You play as Mario... Searching after Princess Peach after she's been taken by Bowser. Of course, yet again, because she needs to get herself a can of mace or a gun or some uh, Krav Maga classes, but she just doesn't. Yeah, you'd think she would at this point. Right, but, you know, it's just silly. So, you know, and Mario's hat is destroyed. And he is thrown into the world, the cat world. You would world. think he'd have, like, a closet of those hats. But he doesn't. Yeah, and so he teams up with a hat. He, wait, and that he teams up with a hat. Is it a talking hat? Yes. This hat can speak. And you go off to save the princess because Bowser has also kidnapped the hat's oh, wait, friend. All, all of the, oh, the hat's friend. Or sister. All of the hats. In. It's a tiara that the princess is wearing. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's definitely the hat's sister. Mm-hmm, and okay. let, it, it, well, that's, getting, that's not a conversation for you. And after my extensive playing of this game of two hours, I would give it... Five slices of pizza and seven diet fagos. That's Ooh, a, that's pretty good. That's a good rating. And now I Nintendo would say send so. us free shit. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Nintendo give us stuff. So. In all honesty, in the very short time I played it, is terrific. It's so much fun. It it feels like you're playing the classic, you know, Super Mario sixty four, which is one of my. Fa- I mean, it's not the best one, but it's up top top three. But it's just. Absolutely terrific, and I would recommend that if anybody is kind of considering the Nintendo Switch, this is the game that you should get for it. It's, you know, I mean, you've got so many other games like Breath of the Wild, um, and you've Zelda. got, you know, you've got uh, the uh, new Mario Kart, the Mario Kart, yeah. that Zelda. one, Splatoon two, uh, and and uh, Skyrim, and yeah. now Doom. Doom is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Really? Yeah. And now, for hmm. those of you who are wondering why we started the show out like this, this is because we were having a debate as if we were going to get a Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. So we figured that's yeah. perfect show content because I'm sure there are plenty of you guys out there Ooh. who are debating the same thing. I know Ian and myself. Plus, plus we're big are fans of Wayne's it. World and we like that bit. Yeah. You know, shameless plugs. Shameless plugs. Now, Nintendo send us shit. Yes. And the best part about this game, it's two player. Oh. Well, you get. You uh, can either sure play as Mario. Runs. Or you can play as Cappy, oh. his hat. How does he get around? Oh, he, he just get, float? He flies in the Floats. air. Yeah, yeah, it's a magical hat. And you can detach the said Joy-Cons so two people can play with one console. Oh, that's cool. I forgot that the Switch did that. Yeah, yeah it's pretty it's, it's I don't know. I, I got one when it first came out, and then I sold it for like three times what I paid for. And I regret it. In the sense that I really want to freaking play that damn thing. I'm ashamed of you. Now, to balance this out, I have something to gripe about, guys. Oh? I recently watched a movie with my wife entitled Independence Day Resurgence. Ooh, I'm sorry. Oh, yes, this is Andy's movie gripe of the week. This is my movie gripe of the week. Yes. Insert graphic here that we don't have yet, but it will be here. It'll be here. And epic trumpet sound. Look. I've never thought that a movie could move fast 
and slow at the same time. There's no character development, but there's way too many characters, way too many things happening. One minute it's like, hey, we got a call to, to do a pickup. And then the next scene, hey, we just got here from the moon. And spoiler alert, and then the aliens to come. pick up. And, oh, it, this is, you know, I, I got to save the world, and I'm Will Smith's son. Welcome to Earth was not said one time. You had a chance to put an iconic line that mm. everyone has been saying for so long. Welcome to Earth. But they didn't. And, and not even the wondrousness of Jeff Goldblum could save this movie. I am just so upset. That I watched it. You know what I'm going to rate this? Yeah. I'm going to rate this three empty buckets of KFC and two dead spiders. How many grapples? None. Ooh. And no oh. plumbuses either. No plumbuses. No, no, plumbuses. no plumbuses either. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad, guys. Uh, why don't you come down? Uh, to, my name's Anson My Eyes Johnson. I got ants in my eyes, and I can't feel anything. I bet if you and Justin Roiland hung out, you guys could probably... Yeah, you think so? Get an episode of Rick and Morty. I I think so. You know, maybe you guys should make that happen, uh, because my skin's on fire, and these deals are so good, I don't know if they're good. They probably are. I can't see anything, because ants in my eyes. (laughs) Pretty good. And, and, you know, that's actually kind of a, a cool thing to bring up, because later in the episode... We did get a chance to interview Robert pa- Rob the one and Rob only. Paulson. His name is not Robert Paulson. His name is not Robert is Paulson. Not Robert Paulson. He get, probably don't get is. it twisted. Well, actually, it might be Robert. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. But he goes by Rob. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We want to see that birth certificate. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that was that, terrible. And I'm, speaking of America, Rick and Morty, I'm so sorry. Speaking of Rick and Morty, another thing about Rick and Morty. So <laughs> issue number 31 of the Rick and Morty comic book mm-hmm. came out on the 25th, and I've been looking for the diamond variant of the UK issue, and I cannot find it anywhere. The UK release of the diamond variant, and I absolutely need it because <laughs> Nick DeFabio did the artwork on the cover, and that's uh, at Ghost Free Hood if you want to check out his artwork. But seriously, shoot us a tweet us, hit us up on Facebook, whatever. <laughs> if you can find me a Rick and Morty issue number 31 diamond variant from the UK, that's a comic book, just so you guys know. I'm sure you guys figured that you out. Comic books job. are magazines yes. with pictures and words. Yes. yes. Guys, I've never seen RD hunt so hard. <laughs> this is the first time. Something. It's funny, too, because like, I've seen this. I, I used to work at a comic book store, oh. and, and, and there would be times where people would come in and want a specific variant, and we just either didn't have it or we couldn't get it because there's, you know, there's UK exclusives. There is so many different variant covers i think there was uh spider-man 666 had something like 140 i'm gonna say nine variants and that's just insane it i'm surprised it didn't have some correlation number with 666 well you would well they're not gonna put out 666 no i mean like they could have done like like 23 something like that (laughs) number 23 (laughs) is everywhere yeah uh, Jim Carrey bursts out of the comic. I would buy that. Matt's gonna get you. But it's like, um, it's like they learn nothing from the '90s. Like, you know, I, I don't know if anyone knows the history of what happened, but basically, Marvel and DC were just like, oh, we're gonna sell a million and one comics, have a million different variants. We're gonna polybag this. We're gonna polybag that. 
and it basically kind of crashed the comic book industry and that's actually how Marvel ended up selling the rights to Spider-Man to Sony and X-Men to Fox and blah, 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 blah. And and kind of led to, we probably wouldn't have the Marvel Cinematic Universe if Marvel didn't screw the pooch in the 90s and go bankrupt. Which is kind of awesome, sort of. I find it really interesting, at the very least. But it and when the comics started to come back again in the early 2000s because of Civil War and what Brian Michael Bendis was doing with Avengers, and then the movies came out, mm-hmm. and they started to do the same thing again with more variants and this and that. And, and now it's, there's, I would say, you would probably have more variants in a given week than your amount of comics that are coming out. And that's insane. I mean, obviously... It's gonna happen, right. numbers-wise. I'm talking like literally, like there could be 40 variants for one comic, and like 25 new comics come out that week. It's insane. Yeah, it was interesting. You were explaining to me the different variants per distributor. Yeah, it's, it's oh, like, it's nuts. It's you can like, get like if you're if you are a certain country in certain countries, or like for example, Midtown Comics is mm-hmm. a really big comic. Uh, they're based out of New York, but they're really big online. They have their own variants. There's stuff called Phantom Variants, which is like a specific. I believe artist. I'm not 100% sure on that, mm-hmm. um, but like you can only get those for specific things, and you have to be like invited or something. It's crazy. There's so many different kinds of variants that blow your mind and bore the crap out of everyone. Well, not everyone. Hopefully, not our audience. <laughs> I don't think so. If our audience, well, our is our audience bored probably knows talking. how annoying it is. But very well, they, yeah, but they probably want to know. Like, RD, where can I find this variant of Rick and Morty? And I need honestly, in my life. Here's I, my firstborn child. Take it. I have yeah, looked everywhere. I have looked child. everywhere for you. I'm having the damnedest it's, time oh, finding it. I've been looking since the since what the 25th. What was that Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, since Wednesday. Yeah, I've he's been, been, been looking for days. And yeah, he went on a hunger strike. He said, "I will not eat." Until I find this, and then then he gave up. That lasted about an hour and a half. And he gave up. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's life. Hey, uh, you know what? You know what else is cool? This shirt I'm wearing. Actually, uh, not, I got not to true. make yourself pumped up. Yeah. Not, not, to, uh, not to, you know, plug another company, but because they did not pay us, <laughs> I got this shirt out of my loot crate. That's and I thought cool. it was very fitting for Halloween being a few days away. Yeah. And I'm That's a, a good loot crate huge score. Huge Ghostbuster fan. Oh man, let me tell you how great this loot crate was. I'm gonna tell you how great it was. Loot crate, give us free subscription. Yeah, more free stuff, please. Dot com. Go to it, order stuff. They did not pay us to plug this. We just love loot crate. Let me tell you. I got a really cool piece of wall art from Stranger Things with eleven and then behind her was the Demogorgon. Oh, I got cool. this little build building action figure set. Oh, that came that out had, today, didn't it? Yeah. Oh. With Loki and Thor fighting. Uh I got I got a I got a cool pin. I got this shirt. Um I probably got something else, but I can't remember. But I'm I, telling you. I like the background of it. Like, isn't it dope? I, yeah, I went and saw cool. a band called the Floozies this past weekend. And they With had a bunch very, of floozies. Yeah. They had a very retro, like toe jam and early background. Yeah. Kind of Going yeah. on as their visualization. That's, that's an IP they need to bring back. Was, oh and man! It was didn't they, they a couple ever. years ago? Actually, they tried. Yeah, it didn't do so hot. That was my favorite game in the '90s. I'm still holding. It was on oh, Sega uh, Genesis. You know, yeah, baby. I'm still holding out for Shaq Fu too. I've now, been promised it's coming. Now, speaking of the '90s, 90s. earlier speaking this week, the 90s. we had a chance to interview. The great Rob Paulson, the voice. <gasps> yeah, the, yeah. Really? It was. It was. It was oh wait, it was I was very, there. I very forgot. Very surreal. That one of the, I'd say, maybe three vo- main voices in my childhood. I'd yep. say it's probably him, Mel Blanc, and honestly, once I realized how many voices he did, he might be that other third. The third. Voice. Well, he's the third. He has yeah. a spot one well, and three. Quickly, yeah. let's. He's the voices of 
Animaniacs. Yakko and Animaniacs. Raphael from the 90s Ninja Turtles. Donatello from the current Ninja Turtles. Freaking Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. Mighty Uh, Max. Mighty Max. Throttle throttle from Biker Mice from Mars. Biker Mice from Mars. Apparently didn't even know this. Haji from the 80s on in Johnny Quest. And then what we all freaked out about is uh, he is the voice of Snowball in Rick and Morty. Where are my testicles, Summer? It was, and and he he actually says that. In, in our interview and he said it it was great we were on the phone with him you know setting all of this up and and that was one of the, we brought he's like oh you know it's funny people don't know you know all the voices you've done and it's like well it's funny I did I thought I did I totally thought I did and then right. I was doing research for the call and and whatnot and it turns out he did snowball so I brought it up and he's like mm-hmm. yeah it's great the first thing well you know we'll, we'll, well yeah. let's 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 let the listeners hear yeah. what's going on don't spoil the show Ian spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler we all die alert. in the end no we don't um but we're going to have a quick video from our weekly sponsor, this week's Woo-hoo. sponsor. Motion, Motion Picture Institute of Michigan, Andy and I's school. And uh, Jake's going to fire that along with this week's Former interview school. with Rob Paulson. So uh, go ahead, fire it away, Jake. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, well, on the phone with us today is Rob Paulson, a legendary voice actor here on Geektainment Weekly, and we couldn't be happier to have him on. How you doing, Rob? Hey, man, I'm breathing and I'm not in jail, but the day's not over yet. Here we go. <laughs> we could give you a list of yep. things to do if that's where your end goal is. That's right. It's on my to-do list. Uh, not die, go to jail. Or rather, I'm sorry, not die, don't go to jail. So, that's so a good far, list. It's, uh, what, almost 11 o'clock in L.A., so I'm I'm... I'm beating it so far. Hey, that's that's eleven hours of the day not in jail or dead. And not in jail or dead. Yeah. True well, story. Boy. Yeah. Man, I was born at night, but not last night. You guys are smart. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> and Michigan, and from Detroit, yeah. where which is yeah, where we're broadcasting from right now. I am. I right. I was born in. Uh, I lived in Livonia. I was born. I think it's the hospital. It's no longer there. It was Women's Hospital in downtown Detroit, and uh, lived in Livonia, or a corner of. Pretty close to the corner of uh, Middle Belt and Joy Road, and um, went to, gosh, I lived in Dearborn for a time, and then went to uh, grade school at a place called Meadowbrook, I think, uh, grade school in Livonia. Then Mm -hmm. I went to uh, junior high um, at West Junior High in Rochester, and then I moved up to Grand Blanc and went to high school in Grand Blanc, Michigan. So I came out here many, many years ago, but uh, boy, I I still eat, sleep, and breathe. Uh, primarily the Red Wings and the Lions. but uh, So on the one That's hand, right. I've had a pretty good run with the Red Wings, but on the other hand, I've been... I don't know there's any fans in football longer suffering than Lions fans. I, I am Amen. a diehard Lions fan. I bleed Honolulu blue and silver. My father and I got season Man. tickets, and it's and it's it's something, you know? It's, uh, yeah. it's eternally optimistic. And boy, what a small yeah. world it is, because we were just talking about a little bit before the show how you kind of 
came from where all of us have come from, the three of us. We've all spent yeah. time uh, growing up and yeah. living in the exact same places. So, <laughs> well, yeah. it's a small and world. You mentioned that you worked up at the WGRY in Grayling. God, I, my parents had a summer home up there on Lake Marguerite and, uh, uh, for years and years and years ago when I was very small. My father was in the, the Michigan National Guard, and, of course, they had oh, yep. Grayling up there. And, uh, um, but every every summer, from the day after school was out until maybe two three days before school was back in session, we would just go up to Grayling for the whole summer. And so I have uh, incredibly fond memories of not only the whole state, but in, but specifically uh, uh, Grayling. It just was a, a, a remarkable play. And Traverse City. I mean, honest to God, if if I uh, if if I could, and if I had the time and the money, and I would, I would have a place in Traverse City. I just love it out there. Oh, it's gorgeous! Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I had a place where my house was actually right on, right off Lake Marguerite, actually. So I know exactly what you're talking about. The beauty of that lake alone, spring-fed, oh, gorgeous. God. It's, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Spring-fed. It's crystal clear. It's everything that is great about Northern Michigan. Um, I just, I just love it. Where was the, uh, my folks? Well, we had our place off of McIntyre's Landing, and then my folks had a place off the, on the Danish Landing. Yep, that's uh, basically connect. That was connected to the neighborhood that I was on because I was right. off of Marguerite Boulevard, is where I lived. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can't Great. believe that yeah. you and I were high school rivals. I mean, isn't that something? That's nuts. Well, I probably went to high school about 106 years before you, but I, I uh, still, we, I think we would have been because I would have been a Falcon. I would have been a Rochester High Falcon, and you were a Adams High. Uh, Madonna, right? Is That's that me. I would have oh, been. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. we were the Highlanders, but Andy. Oh, the Highlanders. Yeah. Right. I, I was the called, Hornet. I thought they were called the, the Madonnas. Yeah, they, they, they might as well have been. I, you know, I didn't get too involved with the uh, Adams program when I was over there in right. Rochester. But yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I was, I was the man. Hornet. I was the Hornet. Cool. Excellent. Well, I, I'm just, I, honest to God, I really do have a uh, deep, uh, deep love for Michigan. My, um, I do a podcast, uh, an on-camera show. It was a podcast that turned into an on-camera, essentially, interview show in which I talk to people who do, you know, cartoons and stuff, and, and, and friends of mine who've done a lot of cartoons but go on and do other things. And my guest yesterday was Dave Couillet. So I've known Dave forever. I've known Dave, God, since, ni- I don't know, 1990? Cut it out. I met him on a chairlift at Boyne Mountain one time. At Boyne Mountain? Yeah. I have extensively watched Full House. Yeah, man, we talked uh, forever about about kind of the stuff we're talking about now. The, uh, uh, our, and he's from St. Clair Shores, and so we both played hockey together out here. We both played hockey as kids, but then he and I got involved in a team out here that uh, used to go around playing the old timers of National Hockey League teams to raise money for children's charities. And, um, of course, Dave was doing Full House, and I think he was at the same time doing America's Funniest People or Funniest Home, one of the funniest shows, and mm-hmm. uh, I was doing Ninja Turtles and Animaniacs and all that. So we, we both uh, were hockey players and had something to offer in the charity realm. And Dave and I became fast friends. And um, what a what a delightful guy, man! He's just he's just a gas. That's great uh, to hear. A lot of us, mm-hmm. quite a few folks out here from from Detroit. And uh, now is that is that hockey league mainly built up of uh, Midwesterners and whatnot, yeah, or is there actually a lot of uh, Los Angeles natives that play in that league? There were some Los Angeles natives, um, Jerry Hauser, uh, Jason Hervey, a uh, couple, Michael J. Fo- no, Michael J. Fox was from Canada. Um, <laughs> but Richard Dean Anderson, myself, Dave, uh, uh, David E. Kelly, who is from uh, the Boston area, oh, yeah. um, obviously Alan Thicke. <laughs> 
rest his soul. Um, Alex Trebek would come out and play a little bit. Another Canadians from Montreal. Good times. Um, That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, man. Oh, we had a just a gas, and uh, I got to play. I don't know three times at the Olympic. Uh, not the Olympic. That's how old I am. At the Joe, <laughs> forty, and uh, Ted. I I played against. Uh, I was on a line with Alan Thicke and a terrific player who used to play in the NHL named Danny Gare, and he and I were on, on a line once against Gordie Howe, Alex Delvecchio, and Ted Lindsay, and I will never forget that. Wow, what that an is, honor. Yeah, seriously. Oh, just a real gas. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, my guys my guys are Gordie and Al Kaline and, and uh, Lem Barney and Barry Sanders, and I just, man, all day long. It's all about I, I grew up with Tony Clark on the Tigers, so. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, well, I was, I was, you know, my team was the 1968 uh, Tigers, and it was all about Mickey Lolich and Benny McLean and Ray Euler and Don Word and Bill Freehand and Norm Cash and Kaline and oh my God, Willie Horton, just on and on and on and on. And, and it was just a uh, that whole series between um, St. Louis and Detroit. Benny McLean against Bob Gibson was really one for the ages because Denny McLean his. Personal foibles notwithstanding, which still breaks my heart when I think of what you know, what good the guy could have done with that kind of talent um, in terms of his uh, ability to help people in the public. You know, they, but that's all old news. But regardless, nobody will ever win 31 games again. <laughs> no, and, and that was a big deal to watch that. And uh, I still remember when I watched videos or uh, of, of that particular time. Uh, it was just, it was remarkable. And the same thing with the Red Wings. I mean, when I was a kid, they were pretty much the dead things. Uh, but uh, once they got a hold of Steve Eiserman, that whole run where he did his whole career with the Wings, mm -hmm. and then what, you know, what ultimately happened as a result of that, and Kenny Holland. Oh, and Ken Mr. Holland. Is just, uh, it's interesting that you bring up that era, because that's the era of Red Wings that I grew up with with the 90s right. late 80s oh, yeah. the 90s and that's also like the era that I grew up on listening to you and yeah. be oh. the voice of all of my favorite cartoons all of our favorite yeah. cartoons yeah. one of the three voices of my childhood for both, sure gentlemen listening that is called a professional segue <laughs> bravo right there because he knew that I would be rambling about about uh, supercilious sport nut stuff and he was very nice and kind to bring it back to me so um <laughs> But thank you. Yeah, that's really. That, I'll tell you what. Uh, and it's not hyperbole. I, I really feel like a lottery winner, you guys. Uh, I have had the good fortune of sp speaking to folks like you um, many, many times, and it never, never, never is anything I take for granted. I, uh, I still. I was talking to Dave about this yesterday. We we both pinch ourselves uh, constantly, thinking, how did a kid from Grand Blanc and a kid from Saint Clair Shores end up? doing what we do and and it's kind of fun to sit around with a guy who's a contemporary and compare notes and we talk oh, about bet. the same things of course that we're talking about now and then we think how, how did we get here and and we still live our dream every day uh i go to work and, and every single day in hollywood and get paid essentially to do what got me in trouble at grand blank high school <laughs> and well, you can hear it. You can hear it just in you can hear it in just talking to you and oh, yeah. and, and yeah, our conversations absolutely. that we've had. That you know you, you're just enjoying life. It seems like. Oh man, I, I, and really, what's not to enjoy? I right. I, uh, I I didn't come out here uh, to do voice work ostensibly. I came to L.A. to do live action stuff like Dave. You know, TV and movies, and I did a few pilots that went south, and and a lot of on camera commercials. But one thing you learn pretty quickly. 
wherever you come from, is that once you get to L.A., there are a million average-looking white kids with Screen Actors Guild cards, you know? <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are really talented. I mean, really talented. You know, it's just like if you're the high school, number one golfer on your high school team, you think, I'm going to go play on the PGA Tour. And then you go to college at USC or Arizona State or one of the really big golf schools, and you find out, guess what? Every kid there that's 18 can hit it 350 yards, and they can all putt like crazy, and they're all the best player on their high school team. So what, the same thing is showbiz. What would you say was like your breaking role that like got you got your foot in the door, really got things, well, you, got the ball rolling? You started with, uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, GI Joe, right? Yeah, because I was doing live action stuff, and then I got an uh, I got a call to you know, have you ever thought my agent said have you ever considered doing animation? I said, well, yeah, but I I mean everybody loves cartoons, and I would probably submit that I loved them more than the average kid, but I figured there were a handful of actors who did them all, and that was true at the time, but I, my timing was good because things started to really open up animation-wise. And so, yeah, the first things I read for were G.I. Joe and Transformers. They were, uh, they were both produced by the same company, and um, I started getting work on those shows. So I, did, I didn't do the main characters. I did, uh, let's see, on G.I. Joe, I did Snow Job, who is a, uh, uh, like a, arctic soldier kind of guy who had skis and a, i always thought it was a little odd that the guy was dressed in white to blend into the snow and had white skis white <laughs> well you know logically beard. speaking <clears throat> white on yeah, white on a, white right but then he had a bright red beard and i thought God, any, any ruski that wasn't drunk could take that son of a bitch out with one shot that's true that's <laughs> yeah got a big red beard um and then uh, a character called tripwire on gi joe and then transformers i did they brought me into these things called aerial bots, and we did. I did one called Air Raid, and another one called. Um, oh, geez, I don't even remember honestly. Uh, but those were the things that got my foot in the door. And man, it doesn't take long, right? You know, even me, and I'm not an intellectual genius. It doesn't take me long to go. Wait a minute, nobody cares what I look like. This is the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. I, I was a singer first, who became an actor, and. So then I started, you know, people in natural inclination as folks start to say, can you do this and try that? And, hey, you don't sing, do you? I said, well, I just happened to sing. So that old adage about luck is when preparation meets opportunity is really true. And Because uh, that singing uh, definitely came in handy. <laughs> yeah, like the, really the country did. song, well, right? Like the yeah, and that's what I was going to say is uh, I was doing regular, that is to say, you know, traditional animation, changing my voice. I did it. There was a... Uh, uh, a 1980s iteration of Johnny Quest, which was a big... I loved Johnny Quest when I was a kid, and I used to watch it on primetime. It was an ABC primetime show when I was a kid, and Tim Matheson was the voice of Johnny Quest uh, in the mid-'60s. And um, then they did another version in the mid-'80s, and I was Haji. That was so, the New Adventures, right? Right, right. And I did that for, I don't know, 30, 40 episodes, but that was great because then it was an opportunity for me to... Uh, you know, manipulate my voice to come up with a dialect that worked. And um, and then I started working a lot in the Disney afternoon doing um, Goof Troop and Gummy Bears and, uh, oh, my God, um, um, Darkwing Duck and, mm-hmm. and all that Chip and Dale and all that stuff. And then I kind of segued over to um, the new uh, Warner Brothers animation crew, Tom Ruger and Gene McCurdy and Steven Spielberg, and we did Tiny Toons and... and uh, the time when the when all the stars really aligned. Uh, oh, sorry. And then in the middle of that, the, the, the show that really got me on the map, animation-wise, was Ninja Turtles. That, yeah. Uh, the uh, doing Raphael on the original show was uh, a really big deal, and 
no one to this day, Kevin Eastman is one of the creators, and I were chatting at Comic-Con this year, and still he says, man, no, there's no way that we could have foreseen what this has, you know, become. Uh, so when that thing really went from a clean sheet of paper to uh, inarguably a part of the culture, Oh, definitely. Oh, I, I have mm-hmm. every episode of that show on DVD. I love yeah, that show to that death. A, I have the VHS. I had your action too. figure. <laughs> Multiple of your yeah, action figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my kid had them all, too. The cool thing was that folks, you know, would call friends. I, my kid's school friends' parents would call me at Christmas time. I said, dude, I got to find a goddamn turtle air. Do you know where I can get one? And I, said, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't make the toys, man. I'm just an actor. You know, it's funny, and, you, um, funny you say that. My uncle used to work for the company that was doing Biker Mice from Mars when it came out, or right before it oh came out. God, yeah. And he sent me a bunch of the toys. Um, that for the show before it like launched and he, like basically right. like he was like what do you think about them I was like I love these are great and and for, you did throttle which I didn't even I know did. until a handful of days ago. Yeah, I was throttle. I got to do my my one only bad badass voice because you know pretty me I'm just pretty much <laughs> a happy guy. But um, uh, yeah, that was uh, as in fact Tom Tatteranowitz who produced and created that show with uh, Rick Unger uh, is from Detroit. He's also another uh-huh. guy. He's from. I think he's from Hamtramck, but you would think so. A name like Tadranowitz. <laughs> um, nice, nice Polish kid from Detroit. And uh, uh, so I talked to him all. As a matter of fact, I just got an email from him yesterday. And uh, we keep in touch. Um, the Biker Mice was uh, a relative hit. And, and oh, yeah. it was uh, uh, an unabashed trying to, you know, to ride the, the sort of turtle. Oh, yeah. And, Street uh, sharks mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. It was great. And Turtles was uh, a. Huge deal, and but I have to say that if Ninja Turtles uh, changed my career, then Animaniacs changed my life because that was an opportunity where really all the all the stuff that I did as a kid. Um, and God, it was so interesting talking to Davey again yesterday. It's it's <clears throat> we did exactly the same stuff that so many of us, Tim Allen, everybody from back there did. We just played around, you know. We would right. sometimes get to do the high school announcements and different voices. I would learn to sing and characters that I'd create with my friends, record them on a little, you know, Panasonic reel-to-reel tape recorder. All that shit we did just to play was uh, uh, was what ultimately put us in good shape. And I remember, as clearly as it was, as if it were yesterday, going to the producers of uh, Animaniacs when it was um, beginning to be cast, and I said, you know what? If you and, and I knew this because I I had known the producers because they were all the folks that did tiny tunes and i said if you don't hire me for this you're making a mistake and it was not at all out of arrogance it was because i knew that i was prepared and the opportunity was there yeah and, and you knew it was you... so happy they did yeah right yeah you, you knew you were it the man for great. the job which kind of exactly you kind of answered one of my questions in there like um what kind of what's your process for creating new voices and how do you does it just messing with your voice and just what sounds different or sounds cooler because there, pinky could not sound more direction? different than Raphael. right exactly i'm sorry would you say about pinky i was saying he couldn't sound more different than Raphael. so like the process right. well that's the whole idea and um i, I it's kind of uh basically what you said i i don't really need to elaborate too much more i do just just mess around there's st- i hear stuff i store it in my little uh, you know, m- mental Rolodex and uh, and try to incorporate different ideas into things and things that just make me laugh um, and make me or make me cry. Things that make that that affect me on a visceral level. And generally, 
it's humor. That's that's mostly what I've gotten worth doing is being funny. Um, but I'll tell you something really interesting, you guys. Uh, uh, having been fortunate enough to work essentially just about every day, well, every week, not every day, but for the last 30-odd years, um, I've done a lot of characters that, uh, like you say, folks have grown up with, and now they're, uh, their children listen to them, and sometimes grandchildren, especially in the, in the case of Turtles and Animaniacs and Disney Afternoon and Dinky in the Brain. Uh, Jimmy Neutron is another one. Um, I uh, I never would have known, were it not for these Comic-Con events that are springing up all over the place, I never would have known the extent to which people are deeply affected by these characters. And, and often the humorous aspect of Animaniacs or Pinky in the Brain are what got people through a monumentally difficult time in their lives. And I, honest to God, I never knew that a cartoon character, uh, and let's be clear, I don't draw them and I don't write them, man. I'm just an actor and a singer. But uh, I, I, it blows my mind. I don't care where I go. I will meet somebody in the, in the course of an event who will come up to me and say, oh, my God, you have no idea. My mother had ovarian cancer, and the only thing that made her laugh was Pinky in the Brain or... Uh, my brother and I held on to each other while my parents went through this awful divorce watching Ninja Turtles. Right. Yeah, and, no, yeah, entertainment, and I had, you know. And I had no idea, honest to God. And it is, boy, am I glad I lived this long to see it, and I'm doing it every day because everything's kind of come full circle. And, uh, you know, i I, I got to make a living. That's how I pay the bills. Absolutely. But that and, aspect of it is just so incredibly wonderful and, and gratifying and humbling and uh it's given this whole new um meaning to the work that i that i do that i just go and it's an organic process i just go and have fun with these incredibly gifted people and i definitely want to say with the writing and drawing excluded the the animation and the shows would not be what they were and what they are without the voice acting and the voice behind it it's just it's just a fact that's how it is well Thanks, guys. I, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And, and I have, you know, I, I humbly accept that as a compliment, <laughs> but I also agree with you because yeah. I, I, you know, like when I was a kid, it was all about June Foray and Dawes Butler and Mel Blanc and um, uh, Paul Freeze and, and Bill Scott and Jay Ward, all the Rockin' Bullwinkle and Looney Tunes people. And <clears throat> um, when I had the good fortune of, uh, I knew June really well. Um, and she just died a couple months ago at 99, bless her heart. And, mm-hmm. um, I had the good fortune of working with Mr. Blank. Oh gosh! Oh wow! Twice, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember clearly. I worked with him on a, I think it was a Jetsons or a Smurfs project. I don't remember, but <clears throat> I walked into the studio and the director Gordon Hunt said, "Hey man, Mel's here today. You want to sit next to him?" I said, "Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, I want to sit next to him." And, and you... he was probably eighty. That's and, so uh, cool. I mustered up the courage to say, uh, "Mr. Blank." Big fan, Rob Paulson, nice to meet you. I was, I don't know, 28. Wow. And I said, it, 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 if it's not too much trouble, and before I could get it out of my mouth, I mean, he'd been asked a million times, right? He just looked at me and said, yeah, what's up, Doc? <laughs> oh, wow. God, it just blew my mind. And I, and so now, and I, I don't, I, I, I'm not digging for a compliment, nor am I putting myself <laughs> in, in Mel's category. You know, t- talk to my ghost after 50 years of these characters, and, I, and I'll, then I'll be in the same category. But, <laughs> So now when people, you know, talk to me and say, oh, my God, I love Pinky in the Brain. And I say, no, or, hey, God, look at you. And they just, they, they, it's the most wonderful experience. Or, hello, nurse. You know, they, 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 they do that. And it's just fantastic. 
I, I, I got my little magic bag of tricks right stuck in my throat, you know, and it's, um, it's an, an, it's an incredible, uh, um, privilege to be able to be in this position. So, um, I'm, I'm thrilled. It's kind of funny that you brought up how, how people would approach you and talk about how much, you know, cartoons, uh, you know, help them through difficult times. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of crazy that I'm talking to you because when I was a kid, I, you know, I had a hard time in school and yeah. I watched Animaniacs religiously. Mm -hmm. And oh, that was you. just one of those things that was like, I had a bad day at school and I would just laugh my ass off. Absolutely. You know, and and it, it, Absolutely. it would just make me feel so much better. Like, you know, I it made me appreciate comedy so much more oh yeah andy and i are both um, yeah. aspiring filmmakers and i'd absolutely without question would say pinky and the brain and animaniacs mm -hmm. have without question seeped into my writing and well that that is high praise you guys and i can guarantee you on behalf of maurice and tress mcneil and jess harnell and frank welker and all the rest I, none of nobody takes that for granted nobody takes those kind words for granted and i have to give credit where it's due steven spielberg and tom ruger <clears throat> um both uh, and with the, the people whom they hired, uh, they knew exactly what they were doing. And uh, I remember many times during recording of those shows where I would say, oh, to Maurice, you know, who's just brilliant as the brain. And I would say, man, it just doesn't, unless you're on The Simpsons, it does not get any better than this. You have <laughs> the best people on both sides of the glass. Mm -hmm. Well, and you've even had a chance to work with someone recently more recently that we often geek out on uh, oh, constantly yeah we started Rick the show with it last week yeah. Uh, yeah. dan Harmon and justin yeah. roiland yeah. and you kind of were telling us a little bit about that story uh, when we spoke earlier if you uh, yeah. love um, to hear it again boy, what a show those kids are smart and um and it's it's been a really uh really cool to watch that show take off because um justin in particular <clears throat> who of course as you know does rick and morty right he's just brilliant um uh, when i first worked with them it was so sweet you know he's just oh my god dude it's such a pleasure i grew up you know pinky the brain animaniacs uh, the mask the tick all this mighty max blah 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 and, and i i um I'm such a fan i said well thank you so much man it's a pleasure and, and you're giving me american dollars what this is great you know and <laughs> right he said yeah we're doing the show and the first um uh, lines i had on rick and morty were where are my testicles summer and uh, the first thing I said was, holy man, I, I, found, a, I found a home. This is the <laughs> um, And then I, I, right after that, I said, trust me, dude, I've been married for 30 years, and I know precisely where my testicles are. But, uh, uh, man, what a and, – and that's that character Snowball in that episode was only uh, a one-off. And now when I go to these events, and whether it's um, doing Animaniacs music live, like I'm heading tomorrow to uh, – Texas to do a couple of shows this weekend. We came back from doing them in Chicago just last weekend. You coming to Detroit? Uh, that or a, a, a you know a Comic Con or whatever it is. I have, will have hundreds of people who will bring up pictures or little figures of Snowball, and it was only <laughs> a one one episode. But that shows the power of that. It was beautifully written. Oh yeah. It had uh, it was a cool character, but the uh, the overall the overarching. Uh, um, message of that particular episode was pretty profound. You right. know, it was a, it, it's, it's clearly a comedy, but there's a point at which Snowball and his army of mechanized dogs essentially, um, you know, they're trying to, to, to free themselves. They're trying to not be indentured servants to humans. 
Right. And there's a point at which Snowball <laughs> says, we are not them. You know, we are not like them. And it's pretty deep. Oh yeah, yeah. no, we we constantly talk about the layers of that show that are just you let la- yeah. you feel you find the 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 stupid humor, and then mm-hmm. as you're laughing, you think about it more, and it's like, well, I'm actually that's that's really funny too, and then well, that's really funny too, and then you're eventually on the yeah. floor laughing. Yeah, there's a ton exactly. of depth to that show. There really is, and I I saw it in its context. You know, obviously when it was all taped together, put together, and stuck together, and. And I called him and I said, Jesus, you guys are really bright. This is the, the obviously it's funny and that's the aim. But when it got to the point where the dogs, you know, were, were, were trying to essentially speak to them, no, no, don't behave that way because we're not like humans. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was ultimately about how this this uh, un, um, uh, unconditional love that animals have for humans and humans are not able to uh, behave in the same way. Right. And, and it was really really pithy you know and i i i just love that kind of stuff uh, so anyway yeah being involved with that and, and that's great to be in a position now like they again i keep dropping dave's name i gotta stop that bob nero told me that i gotta stop dropping names. But, uh, uh, dave said the checks in the mail by the way oh good okay <laughs> but we were talking about the same thing in terms of the new ways that people um consume entertainment and obviously full house has enjoyed an incredible renaissance right uh on netflix and animaniacs has done the same thing and um so we've kind of lived long enough and been involved and fortunately found a way to keep working and be relatively relevant long enough so that we we see people like you guys young filmmakers like you dan Harmon, justin Rowland, people coming up who are getting uh a chance to to work and they'll come back and use people whom they enjoyed uh, growing up. And it is such a, um, a thrill to watch young folks coming up with these great ideas and have all these new platforms on which they can sort of disseminate their art. It's fantastic. I'll be honest. That's I mean, that's how we ended up talking with you. I, mm-hmm. I was I was like, these are the name of people I would like to contact. And you were number you were number one on the list, actually. Oh. Um, and I'm not just saying that. I can afford you the email. Actually, Dave's on there too, and he's number four. And it's <laughs> and I, gave, I gave I gave reason for everyone, but for Dave, it just says literally four. Dave Coulier. Dot dot dot. People love Dave Coulier. Yeah. Oh well, and there's no reason not to. If you, uh, he is just the one of the most stupidly gifted humans I've ever met, and utterly pretentiousless. Uh, he will talk mm. to you every day. Uh, so kind. So um, exactly what you would want in a hero. He is down to earth and incredibly glib and funny, makes it about you. And I have to say, having been in, uh, in Hollywood a long time and in the process of, of not only my work, but as I mentioned, the, the hockey stuff, I really have had the good fortune of meeting people who were and are uh, you know, sort of idols of mine, and they have made the transition from idol to hero, which I think is a is important distinction. Um, I had the uh, I got to know Gordy and Colleen Howe very well, and so did my parents. It was a, a really great, uh, a, 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 a wonderful relationship um, that y- y- you know I will always cherish. But uh, Gordy went from being my on ice idol as a young hockey player and just a, a kid who was breathing, you know, during mm-hmm. the time of the Red Wings, um, to my, uh, to my hero in a very quick moment. Um, 
we were doing a, uh, at his invitation, I was up in Vancouver with uh, the house doing a fundraising event years ago, and, and I was signing a bunch of Ninja Turtle stuff, and I was sitting next to Gordy, and he was signing, of course, everything. And I'll never forget this. There was a point where a young fella about my age had waited in line for two hours for Gordy to sign something. And he finally got there, and I was sitting right next to Gord, and this kid said, thank you for signing this, Mr. Howe. Your hand must be getting tired. And Gordy was probably about 65 at the time. And he looked at him and he said, not at all, son. It's, I've worked too hard for this privilege. And wow. in that wow. moment, he went from being my idol to my hero because I thought right there, if I ever cultivate anything resembling um, uh, celebrity, I will never forget that. And, uh, and Coulier is the same way. And fans appreciate it so much. Oh, yeah. It like can make or, make or breaks. It makes or breaks people, yep. I think. And it really does. Dave is the same way. Um, um, Steven Spielberg is the same way. So now, um, when I... And, and I have to say, you guys, it doesn't happen very often. Virtually everybody whom we've discussed and all the people whom you would have enjoyed as a kid in terms of their voice work, they're all the same way. They're all delightful. Maurice, another guy from originally from Timmins, Ontario, just a stupidly gifted. He won two back-to-back Emmys for his work on Futurama, let alone The Brain. Right. Yeah, right. And um, he's another guy. Just will all day just be grateful that you paid attention so that when I run into somebody who does behave in kind of an asshole way, I, I just want to say to him, you know, what's your story? So, I, 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 I work with these people and have known people who are the best of the best of the best. Right. So in, re- they, in relation to that, how would you say, like, being a voice actor is in the public eye to being, like, just a regular on-screen actor? Like, have you noticed, like, the difference in how people interact or the voice actors interact with people? Like, yeah. just interacting with you yeah. has been a, an enormous pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. I, I um... I, look, I have a lot of friends who are famous people, and they all are delightful. Um, Dave, Terry Elways, uh, Brad Garrett, um, um, you know, Sean Astin, Seth Green. Uh, these guys are all Ron Perlman. They're all going to be on my show. Half, more than half of them have already been on my show. Um, Billy West, they're all great. Um, but um, uh, And they are just all delightful. Now, I have never been celebrity to the extent that i can't go into a store without people going nuts i don't know what that's like (laughs) but i but i i have to say that the people who have that circumstance like i know friends who know brad pitt and i have never had anybody say anything heard anybody say anything bad about brad pitt you know his personal issues notwithstanding that's his business Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and i don't know what it's like to live literally in a fishbowl um But I have to say that the people with whom I work in the voice business or people who uh, love doing voice work like Ron Perlman, I mean, with that set of pipes, you know, apart from his incredible skill as an actor. And I mean, I could watch Sons of Anarchy all day. Oh, yeah. And have. But he's got that set of pipes and is great. And they all are great. They all love doing that stuff. They all consider, pardon me, doing animation kind of a badge of honor because Again, as much as they're known for their on-camera persona, they're not limited by that. Um, we did uh, one of my favorite actors is um, David Tennant. Oh, oh, you're talking to the right man. people. And I, I love David Tennant. And um, uh, oh my God, Maurice LaMarche is calling me right now. His ears must be burning. So if you hear that beeping, that's Mo calling, but I, I won't pick up. Um, um, anyway, David Tennant did a 13 episode arc of the latest version of Ninja Turtles, uh, I think it was last season. 
And um, now they had to record him remotely, of course, because he was doing broad church and lives, I think, in either Scotland or or London. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was he was out of his mind about doing Ninja Turtles, um, probably for the same reason that you guys would want to be involved oh. in a show like that. You know? yeah, absolutely. He's going. Are you kidding me? I mean, we somebody like David Tennant that has played insane roles, like the Doctor. Yeah. Is yeah. is geeking out over being on Ninja Turtles, yeah, and it's just amazing to hear that. Was he, he was um totally the rope uh the fugit fugitoid fugitoid right. that yeah there you go I watched that he show had, too <laughs> he had a blast so I, I and I you obviously understand at the moment that I or clearly that I have no trouble speaking that's why I do what I do but I uh, <laughs> I, I know I have a tendency to ramble but it's because I I I really have so much. To say about uh, about the, the the kindness and generousness and generosity of all of these celebrity talents who find their way, uh, in addition to their um, prodigious on camera stuff, they find their way into animation and they love it. And all it does is make them happy, just like the people who consume it. You know, it's just it's the greatest. You can working with Carrie Ellis is a great example. He is such a delightful guy and he's so goddamn handsome it's difficult (laughs) we feel that way about andy i am a very handsome boy you can't help it then you know what i'm speaking about. oh i do i do Um, sir you do yeah you know how it's tough for the rest of us and maurice and and terry and i are really good friends and we go out to dinner and stuff and we have a blast and it's really fun for mo and me because we sit back and of course the you know the young lady who will come up um and, and even the young man it doesn't matter He's Wesley, man, and and he's done so many other roles. But with the Princess Bride, he is everything that a Hollywood leading man would want to be. He's got this British accent. Mm-hmm. He's dashing. He's very kind. He's mm-hmm. erudite. He's about as as classy as you could get. And again, he's just so good looking. It's difficult not to say I I, I hate you. <laughs> but but he is the nicest, funniest, uh, n- just an. A uh, 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 naughty sense of humor in the most wonderful way, but and he's salt just a to the total earth. Total gas to hang out with. That's and, awesome. And he's like, "Hey, man, when can we get together at my house and have a Pythonathon so we can watch Monty Python for five days in a row?" And and we have a ball. So, and it's all in the context of doing cartoons. Um, so, uh, anyway, it, it's not a, a stretch for all of us to get together and when we're all around each other in the context of a convention then it feeds on itself and you have uh, Carrie and Mark Hamill and myself and Kevin Conroy and oh, Billy yeah. West and John DiMaggio and and you know what I can say respectfully to the folks who are there because they're on camera folks I get that right and the, and the you know that the people dig it and okay that's great that's fine but I'm gonna tell you what when we do a panel and it's the people I've mentioned uh, mm-hmm. we can have 5,000 people in a room, and John DiMaggio will say, kiss my shiny metal ass, and I'll say, you know, I think so, Brain, but me and Pippi Longstocking, what would the children look like? And Brain says, yes, Pinky, and <laughs> Billy West, you know, starts talking like Ren and Stimpy. Oh, yeah. It, it, it is mind-blowing, and, and, and I... You can just feel just, the energy in the room. Uh, uh, utterly, and, yep. and I leave one of those events. I left New York Comic Con a couple weeks ago. After four days, I was just utterly spent. But it was from saying thank you. Right. It was from being from uh, talking to nice folks like you and saying thank you for four freaking days. 
And it's not just me. Same thing with Nancy Cartwright, Dan Castellana, Hank Azaria. It's, it's, it is a profound gift to be in this position. And it's just important for, for me when I get the opportunity to talk to people like you, to let you know that everybody is decent and everybody uh, does, uh, is grateful and not, none of us take it for granted. None and we are so appreciative yeah, of everything beyond. that you've given, yeah. not, not only to us in the room, but to you know, society as, with these iconic Thanks, characters. Uh, you know, real quick, if there was one character that you could see brought back from an older show that you've done. What, or that you haven't done or that, that you, you always haven't wanted done, to do. What character would that be? Boy, um, I, well, the easy answer, and it's a truthful answer, is um, as a result of these, um, um, what's the word? I think relatively, uh, I, I think there's something to the uh, um, uh, suggestion that there may be a, uh, an Animaniacs reboot. Um, I, I, I got to think there's something to that because when the suggestion has been dropped, it's got Mr. Spielberg's name all over it, and we know huh. that nothing gets done like that without his oh, approval, yeah. and there's been no real pushback from Amblin. Um, so if that were brought back, I, I that would be what a great way to sort of finish up my career because uh, I'm, you know, I, the truth is I was just thinking about it today. If I die tomorrow, Jesus Christ, what a run. I, I, right. Two Ninja Turtles, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, Jimmy Neutron alone. Those are five. And Snowball. Shows. Mighty Max. And, and Snowball. And, right? Yeah. And I, uh, not to mention the tick. And, and God, I, I, I've had a hell of a run. However, if they would bring back Animaniacs, and there have been a couple rumors floating around to that, um, uh, to that uh, point, uh, and Pinky and the Brain, you know, in that whole umbrella, that would be a terrific way to put a nice little bow on a, on a pretty remarkable run. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the, the opportunity to get to work with Tress and Jess and Maurice and sing a bunch of Randy Rogel's songs. <laughs> That'd be a hard thing to pass up. Yeah. That would be, it's pretty tough to get any better than that because uh, I was just, there was something that dropped the other day on Twitter. Somebody said, hey, Rob, check this out. And it was, there's a, you guys as filmmakers might know, there's a place, uh, a website I've seen called, um, Film School Rejects, yes, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and they uh, they had a really neat, thoughtful piece, uh, and the title of it was "Animaniacs: The Cartoon That Saved Cartoons," and it was a really interesting um, um, kind of a what am I trying to say? Kind of a, um, a dissection of of what made Animaniacs special to the extent that when it was brought back. Uh, on Netflix, it went through the roof, and right. we haven't done a new I, I watched in it. years. Yeah, and it was really cool and very thoughtful. And it even talked about you know how it started to slide into the uh, the uh, maybe a place where it was a little too predictable, all of that. But it was very fair, and ultimately, I think very complimentary, and and was talking about how um, you know we all love Family Guy, and Seth MacFarlane is without question an incredibly talented guy on so many levels right but it was showing how animaniacs had some very clever songs which hold us uh, continue to, to stand the test of time and and it's not a it's not a uh, a, a big leap 
to go from yeah, Animaniacs yeah. and those clever songs to the songs that are very clever on, on Family Guy. Absolutely. Well, not even just that. You look at Animaniacs, and it's very. you can look at the similarities between Looney Tunes, and they both have very classic, yeah, totally. and, and, classic feels. Yeah, Stephen Steven makes, that, makes that very clear. In fact, it's kind of cool how all this stuff seems to be, and I'm, I'm just keeping my little cartoon fingers crossed because um, – I watched last weekend the two-hour documentary on Steven on HBO, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was really good. And, man, I'm, I was kind of uh, about halfway through it, I think. I was doing something on the computer and watching it, and I looked up, and there was Pinky in the Brain. And I thought, I immediately paused it and called Maurice, and I said, Mo, 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 you're, you're, you're speaking. The brain is... It was so cool because here we are with Schindler's List and E.T. and, and uh, Jaws and everything else. And, and it was important enough for the makers and obviously for Stephen to put that in there and, and refer to Animaniacs. And then this piece with that I was referring to about uh, film school rejects. And by the way, Stephen is one. He right. didn't get into mm-hmm. USC film school. Right. And it was so wonderful that in the film school rejects piece, they had a great clip of Stephen talking about how important animation is in the context of overall filmmaking oh, and how absolutely. animators, uh, how they create uh, movement. Um, and, and Stephen, from the moment we did Animaniacs and Tiny Toons, it was all about Tex Avery. It was all about um, uh, Chuck, Chuck Jones. Jones. It was all about Bob McKimson. It was all about Bob Clampett. Mm-hmm. All about those guys. Yep. And um, so I, I am, for better or for worse, I'm I'm in that you know I'm I'm in that pantheon. Right. Uh, we absolutely uh, think so. Yeah. Well, looking yeah. over your credits here, it's like we could talk literally all day long, all week and, long. Yep. <laughs> and 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 love to do so but we've actually ran out of time here robin oh, good. yeah there's there is one thing though that we do like to ask all of our geek tainment weekly guests and that is if you had a could have a superpower what would it be oh man if i had the superpower uh i would probably say flight that's a good yeah. one I would, have, I would have to say flight because I could get back to uh, Little Caesars Arena. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and I could I could see the Red Wings every weekend or every every home game. If I had if I had the power of flight, I would probably have the juice to uh, get season tickets as well. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're gonna love it when I you finally see it. Back. Oh man, I can't wait. I was I've not been. I don't think Dave has been there yet either. We were talking about it yesterday and. Uh, Group trip. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know when you're in town, and we'll uh, oh, we'll yeah. get a group Red Wings geektainment uh, Man, time going. It would be it would be my pleasure, and thank you guys for taking the time to let me pontificate about about uh, me. <laughs> oh no, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it is it is beyond so an honor to talk to you. Oh, yeah. it's my pleasure. I uh, uh, anytime, and if uh, if things come up in the future, and um, you say, hey, wow, you've gotten this new gig, or Animaniacs happens to come back, and, you know, let's do it again. It would be my pleasure. Yeah, oh, we, thank you so much. We would love to do that. Thank you. Not at all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again, Rob Paulson.
and again, a big thanks to Rob Paulson. Thank you so Giant, much for that you. amazing interview. Ooh. Tune in next week where we interview Geek Out with Amber Harley, the script supervisor of the upcoming Marvel Studios release, Thor Ragnarok, plus yes. many others. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to Geek Tainment Weekly right here on New Radio Media. Peace. Later. Good job, boys. We did it. Good job. Nobody.